And we've gathered for another WTOP huddle. We get into a new month, uh, playoffs going on for the Wizards. Still Dave Johnson with Rob Woodford, Christian, George Wallace, and Dave Preston. As we gather to talk this week, uh, we thought maybe uh, the series between the Wizards and 76ers would be over because, look, games two, games three, uh, really the 76ers flexed their muscle and, and gave us reason to believe that they are the top seed in the Eastern Conference. By the way, we still believe they're the top seed in the Eastern Conference. And playing that way, there's been health questions about Joel Embiid. It's something I remember, he was hurt, got hurt playing the Wizards in March, missed nine games, and the 76ers won eight of nine games without Joel Embiid. The storyline with, with the 76ers, this, as Tom McGinnis, my good friend, the 76ers radio broadcaster pointed out, the 76ers were hardened by the fact they know they can win without Joel Embiid. The difference is they cannot get where they want to get to an NBA title without Joel Embiid. So let's let's start, though, from a, from a Wizards perspective. Uh, you have to make the playoffs first before you take that next step. And I think that is the positive right now that we're talking about with this Wizards team. Uh, start of April, a 0.6% chance of making the playoffs. Now they get into the series and they get some cold water splashed on them and, and you feel what it's really about. Uh, 17 and six record down the stretch. Uh, that is great. And you don't dismiss that. That is real. What is also real is the playoffs are a new season and the Wizards and many players like Arui Hachimura experiencing that for the first time. And I reference him because if he can continue to grow and draw experience from this playoff experience, playoff series, regardless of what happens, that is going to be a positive going forward. He certainly showed that in, in game three. If he continues to make three pointers like he's been making in this playoff series, that's not only going to be positive for game whatever in this series, but also going forward. Rob, I'll, I'll transition to you and we'll continue this conversation before we get to other things, but we still have the Wizards fighting and climb, which is we knew they would. Yeah, I thought they'd take a couple of games in this series, actually, uh, just based on the way that they performed uh, late in the season. Uh, it's been pretty disappointing uh, to this point, the way that they've performed, because it's become very obvious that they can only take the Sixers or they can only stay in a game with the Sixers if Joel Embiid is not on the court. And remember, in game one, the only close game that they had played prior to uh, game four, uh, Joel Embiid missed uh, a, a pretty good chunk of that at least the first half because uh because of foul trouble and then in the second half once he was you know he just dominated the game so uh you know without him on the floor in game four uh that was really when the tide turned in Washington's favor so I, I think his availability for game five and as of this taping he we, we still don't know what that is but uh, his availability for game five is going to determine whether or not the Wizards are, are going to be able to win uh, there in Philadelphia. Uh, and, and quite frankly, we need more from the stars. The shot selection of Russell Westbrook has been frustrating to me at no end. He tries to use glass in situations where you don't really need to use glass. And, you know, you're not Scottie Pippen. <laughs> you know, you're not uh, Tim Duncan back in the day. Why are you trying to use glass so much? So his shot selection and, some of the on uh, on the court decision making that he's made has has been frustrating. You expect more from a veteran player, uh, you know, who has playoff experience and uh, and who has certainly done all of the amazing things that he's been able to do this season. Uh, so uh, you know, the three point shooting has to improve. The uh, you know the contribution up front, uh, they've got to get some more scoring in the paint. Uh, and obviously, Embiid not being in the game will uh, will help facilitate that. But um, 
you know, there's I'm, I'm just frustrated with the way that this team has performed because we know that they can be better and they have not been. All right, Dave Preston. I think they're going to look at this series, uh, you know, barring a complete miracle where they come back and you know, wind up winning this at seven, which I, I don't think uh, we live in that reality. But I think uh, the Wizards will look at this series and this season as a motivational tool to be better this upcoming fall. The, uh, you know, Bradley Beal will take a long, hard look at himself after his performance in the series. Same with Russell Westbrook. I think management, Tommy Shepard and, uh, you know, Coach Scott Brooks will look within themselves and say, okay, what can we do to take to not just have a playoff team, but to have a top four or a top five team in the Eastern Conference? And I think while the run to the end of the uh, regular season, 17 wins in 23 games, was absolutely fantastic, that's going to be, I think, the fans' takeaway from this year, where the team went from not having a chance to make the playoffs to being the team, I think, when you enter that play-in round that everybody – had their eyes on saying, wow, this is a team that could actually win a round as a seventh or an eighth seed. That, you know, is likely not going to happen, but I, I think it's been a blessing to see this team kind of grow up over the last couple of months and we'll see where they go from here. I think you definitely saw their shortcomings in games one, two, and especially in game three, uh, the game four victory. Yes. Joel Embiid missed most of the game, but now Davis Bertans is going to miss the next four to six weeks. And I don't, I don't have my calendar on me, but does that mean that he can play in game seven of the NBA finals? If they get that far, uh, I, I think they need to see a, a different Davis Bertans. Uh, this has been a year that I think because of COVID, you can almost write off from his standpoint, but he's got to come back next year and, and earn that contract that he signed in the off season. Yeah. And I think, you know, look, that's a challenge right now is, is that they, they know that, uh, they have to get better and with limited room on the salary cap. So it's going to be a big challenge for the, this Washington Wizards team. But they, but they knew that even again before this series started. One thing I'll say, and we, we witnessed this uh, with, with NBA playoffs, you don't typically get in and then all of a sudden it's not the nature of the sport. Make an incredible run and get to the NBA finals. You go back to LeBron James and the Cavaliers, you know, decades ago or, or name the team. It's not an instant success kind of league. Ask the Philadelphia 76ers, ask the Milwaukee Bucks uh, about that. So it is important. I think the Wizards uh, have at least made that first step, made the playoffs. It will be even harder to try to get better and reach what you were talking about, Dave, is how do you improve the team when you're not going to necessarily get a, a, a top draft pick? Chris? First off, I want to point out one thing. I've been seeing a lot of storylines about Rui Hachimura growing up before our eyes. Um, I certainly agree with his talent on the floor. Can't be dunking, though, and yelling in guys' faces and getting technical fouls. Yeah, that was that his was... first. That was his first. Okay. All right, Dave. You're, you're, you know him. You, you're down there. So if uh, you're willing to give him a pass, then I guess I will be, too. Um, it's, also it's, also a it's, also a the, it's also a product of the times because it's soft. I, because, yeah, because remember uh, that that famous Sean Kemp dunk where he dunks on the guy and then points both fingers at him. You might get ejected in today's NBA for doing yeah. that. And that was on every like NBA jam session that I watched as a kid. So it's just a different it's a different time. It's but a whole other. Rui's not that kind of player. And no. I, I will go ahead out on a limb and say he'll maybe never get another technical again in his career. That was a momentary and he said it. If you listen to his Ooh. post-game press conference last night, he said it. He lost his mind for the moment. That sounds it's a like whole other conversation. That sounds like a whole like other conversation. <laughs> but the, these, this, this, it's it's tough to watch these games 
Everything is stopped for replay. The Russell Westbrook foul last night at the end. I mean, it, it just it, the game started at seven fifteen, ended at ten o'clock last night. You sound like Frank. Get the badge to prove it. <laughs> I, uh, that's ahead. a Frank Henrahan argument. <laughs> I I agreed with Rob and disagreed with him on two points. The three of nineteen shooting. Obviously, yeah, you need to be a better shot selector than that. And uh, if it's just not sinking, start to involve Bradley. But on the other hand, you, you mentioned how this, you needed the Stars to step up and covering Saturday night's game three. Bradley Beal and Russell Westbrook were the only two guys who were doing anything. I mean, the rest of the cast just – I know Daniel Gafford, the, laugh, the landlord is his nickname. Um, he gets it done. <laughs> He's got some nice blocks. But scoring-wise – they just could not keep up with Philadelphia. All five guys in game three in double figures. Joel Embiid with an absurd field goal percentage. So, yeah, I definitely agree with you on your point as well about this series. The, if Embiid is not playing, and even if he clears his MRI, and then but he's a game-time decision and not 100%, I don't know, you steal another game, and then you steal another game, and then you kind of see where you're at. So it's never happened. I don't expect it to happen. But if Embiid doesn't play, there's hope. Right. And by the way, it was the Wizards were not supposed to be in the playoffs in the first place. That's why we keep I'm not putting rose colored glasses on. I'm just saying at some point there is going to be one team that does that after getting down three games to none. The problem is 141 have tried and, and failed. George. <laughs> and I thought it's interesting, too. Even last night after the game, uh, Beal said he still hasn't played well in this series. I mean, you know, at 20, wait, at 27 last night, he says, I still haven't played well. Russ still hasn't played that well. Uh, the shot selection, I'll agree with you on that, Rob, especially down the stretch, seemed like a little too much one-on-one -on -one stuff, one and done. But, you know, Gafford in the starting lineup, obviously, I think made a difference last night. And you, we've been looking for, other than the stars, as you mentioned, to step up and, uh, and contribute. And they did that last night. And you see when that does happen, then this is a better team and you have, uh, you have a better chance. Look, you got one. That's what you needed. The place is electric last night, it sounded like. Uh, you know, you saw what they can do. I don't care who's on the court. Everybody's missing guys at this point. Now you go to Philadelphia and your mindset, you win a basketball game and you come back home, you play another basketball game. That's how it has to be. And you just go out and see what happens, regardless of whether MB's on the floor or not, you know, you can beat this team. You've done it before. And if these guys say they really haven't played their best and we've seen it. Yeah. Okay. Then go out now. Now's the time to do it. You, what is it? Uh, three, one, you got three games left possibly in the series. Now's the time you've had four, below par game, average games, then yeah, now it's go time. But as Dave's point, this is – you don't ever want to say you're just happy to be there, but you heard Scott Brooks say at the beginning of the series with the Philadelphia guys, they've all been in that spot before when they were the first time making the postseason as a team. And he says, I can point to each one of those guys in the playoffs when they were young making the team. Now our guys are going out with the big blinding lights in the, in the postseason. Yeah, it's not in front of full arenas, uh, but it's still the playoffs. Things are ramped up a little bit. Uh, so – you know, this is a good step for this this core, this nucleus uh, that is playing together for the first time in, an, in a strange year. So, again, you know, you, you, you never like to lose. You hate losing. It's the worst thing in the world. I understand that. But if you take a step back once the series is over, however many more games it goes, and you look into the offseason, the future, and you can say, you know what, for the first time in a while, let's be honest, you are looking positively at this team moving forward. With, with few – yes, there are question marks, but – I think for me, the biggest, you know, the one is gone since the beginning of the year is the big John Wall question mark. You don't have to worry about that anymore. You can focus on other things. Right. And look, you made a great point about playoffs being amped up. It's a, it is a different season. It is a different level. 
And it is as simple as, well, wait a minute, why are the Wizards allowing X, Y, or Z to happen? As Scott Brooks has talked about it, because they, they know what they're supposed to read. They know what the defensive read is, is supposed to be, but they're not, they're not making it quick enough because somewhere the experience level is not there. It, it was better uh, in game three, even when Embiid uh, you know, was in the game for those, those 11 minutes. So um, it, it is, there is a graduation process that has to happen. But one thing I do want to, to bring up, and it's something we hear on the postgame show, it's every time there's a loss, and this has been going back to January, Scott Brooks has to be fired. We'll, we'll get the call that, that, that he's got to be fired. I think it needs to be made clear, no, he doesn't. And, and he needs to stay as the head coach of the Wizards, and I'll tell you simply why. It starts with the quickest way to lose a team is to upset your star players. Bradley Beal and Russell Westbrook like playing for Scott Brooks. Russell Westbrook is not here in Washington unless Scott Brooks is here. Unless, that's my belief. He's not, he can go anywhere or do whatever he wants to do. The relationship between those two is a significant thing. That's one thing, or two points I'll make. And then they don't go from where they were to that 17-6 and six finish unless they want to play for their coach. And by the way, we're not having this conversation today unless they want to play for their coach. And you showed how they showed up in game four, because after the way the series started against the 76ers, I've seen the act before. If you don't like the environment, if you don't like the culture, if you're tired of playing with a guy next year, you're tired of playing for the coach, they're heading to the golf course. Well, I Amen. Will, I'll, I'll just echo yeah. this. And, and I will agree with you that uh, the problem with the Wizards is not their coach. But I'm going to echo the sentiments of uh, uh, Kevin Blackstone in the uh, Washington Post. And that is this front office has to figure out what the plan is moving forward. Are we OK just making the playoffs as an eight seed, seven seed? Or are we going to try and do what the 76ers did and, you know, have an actual plan to establish yourself as one of the players, big time players in the Eastern Conference? and like start measuring success, not in getting to the second round of the playoffs and so forth. Like we need to start measuring success in championships. And if that is the aim and the goal, then there needs to be a plan to get there. And it seems like they sort of have this patchwork roster of old guys and young guys, and they're not exactly sure what it is that they're just going to win as many games as they can with that, uh, with that sort of patchwork approach. And I don't think it's sustainable, not unless you want to continue to have, apathetic ba uh, basketball fans in what is a very underrated in basketball thirsty town. I would say this. I think, I think that, that I, I agree with you there, but I think that the biggest question mark was, was shipped out at the beginning of this year. Now you can kind of step yeah. back. You can reset the entire organization. Now you got no, no bubble from a year ago, you know, no more COVID after the, you know, hopefully right, restriction wise or, or whatever. And you can focus now. I'm not saying they weren't focusing before, but there were so right. many question marks with this team. And I think now they do have the plan. I would hope they have the plan. But now I think this is your the beginning of it. And then you right. start with the first decision but, with Scott Brooks. So I think I agree with Dave. Needs to right. Be back. But as you but but as Daniel Gafford and Rui Hachimura start to get more experience, and we all know the NBA is one of those leagues where you have to sort of pay your dues before mm -hmm. you really make that step to championship contender by the time those guys have you know quote unquote paid their dues russell westbrook's going to be uh he's going to be chris paul's age he's going to be 36 <laughs> so you know is he still going to be the same guy at 36 given the way that he plays so that's that's what i mean is if if you're going to you know build this thing around two three star players 
you need to get yourself in a position where you can attract those guys either in free agency or, uh, or, or get yourself in a position to do it in the draft. I'm not saying yeah, they need to tank or anything like that, but get yourself in a position to do that. Don't you think, though, this year, would uh, the, especially the way this down the stretch and when these guys were healthy, don't you think that would attract this offseason? Don't you think this would be that kind of destination? Not necessarily for the top guys, well, but... Well, I'll put it this way. If that, if that run, remember when they went to, took the Celtics to seven a few years ago, like that team with John Wall and, and Bradley Beal and everything that they were doing, uh, if that didn't attract guys like KD and some of the big free agents, I don't know what does. Well, uh, look, I mean, bottom line is the problem is and, and why everybody and their brother's uncle could, will continue to write and, and say that there's not a plan, and et cetera, et cetera. This is not a drive-through process in the NBA. Mm -hmm. It is not like the NFL where it's a league design where you can get rid of every player under the sun and just pay bonus money and reset. That's not the league. It is not the NHL where you can, you can sometimes reboot quickly or just the nature of the sport. You can get on a run. There's a 24-second clock in the NBA and there's several possessions and you better be better at all those possessions. But I will say this, and, and to George's point, do you want your young players to learn and grow with Russell Westbrook and Bradley Beal? They have been a tremendous positive on this team going forward. And as Scott Brooks, who experienced the wars at the, the top level and won NBA titles, has said he's seen many a young career ruined because they were in a bad culture uh, locker room. So Rui Hachimura, after he makes all those three-pointers in game four, and scores 20 points. He talks about how Russell Westbrook goes to him and gets him in the face and says, I don't care if you make 10, miss 10 shots. I want you taking that 11th shot. So there, there's, a, there's a culture here that we're not going to see the full benefits of tomorrow or this, this spring. But starting with the acquisition of Westbrook, it, it's going to make a difference in this team going forward over the years. Anybody else, Chris? Yeah, Dave? Rob, you're not going to bring everybody down this week, Rob. Okay? <laughs> no. Anyway, anything else? As uh, again, and I and I'm not oh, watching Westbrook as close as I have. I, I I've never seen an athlete that committed, that competitive, oh, and that selfish. Yeah, and I'm so, on board. The, the, don't get me wrong. I'm on board with Westbrook. Oh. I think that that I think that that was a good trade to get him in here, and you know he brings a lot to the table. Obviously, I'm just saying that I hope that they're able to get the return on that investment before. He is no longer the effective player that we oh, see today. Look, that's a that's a challenge with a lot of teams. I can think <laughs> of the Capitals right now. They're thinking the same thing. They want to return on the investment. I mean, hey, uh, Dave Preston, change the subject. The weather, anything on your mind? <laughs> Let's talk about the Nats, uh, who are colder than the uh, their bats are colder than the the temperature the last couple of days. Uh, they're I think they're twenty eighth in runs scored. They're twenty one and twenty nine as we enter June. That is not nineteen and thirty one, but it's not good. And you wonder. What is if can this team climb back into this division race that last week, I think they were two and a half games out of first place this week. They're seven uh, behind the New York Mets. And you wonder where it's going to happen, because each aspect of the game does just enough to need the other aspects of the game to lift it over the, uh, the finish line, so to speak, meaning starting pitching is good. It's not great. It's not lights out. Max Scherzer allows a two run homer Sunday. That's. Two runs allowed over six innings should almost be enough to give you a victory. But now with this lineup, the relievers, they're good enough, but there's an occasional uh, you know, blow up. Uh, Brad Handel will allow a late run. So it just feels like this team is less than the sum of its parts. And 
You wonder how long it's going to carry on before they have to make the decision, okay, we're going to have to reboot this team. We're going to have to trade in some pieces. Right now, they're eight games under 500. They can still make a run. The, you look at their team two years ago, the seeds are not there, though. There, there's no Anthony Rendon, Howie Kendrick in the middle of the lineup to get hot. Uh, there's a, the two best guys in the lineup right now. Trey Turner had four strikeouts yesterday, had uh, Monday in the loss to Atlanta. And Juan Soto, he is having a subpar season given his career. Uh, he's hitting under two, uh, under 300. He's on pace to hit under 15 homers and under 70 RBI, which has not been the case in his career. You wonder when things are going to turn around for this team. They do need to turn around quickly. They do have a, a two big series this week. I, they're in Atlanta right now, and I think they uh, they go to Philly. So it, it, two big determinations of where is this team at this point. They're not hot as they enter June. By the way, everybody watching WTOP Huddle will get free therapy, courtesy of WTOP, because clearly we're <laughs> producing a lot of anxiety. Chris, Dave Preston's got to go. He's, he's got to go. Chris, he you're next. What's on your mind? I can tell your blood vessels are bursting. You already took on Rui Hachimura, the most polite athlete I've ever run into. So, <laughs> <what's next? laughs> oh boy, who can I tear apart now? Oh, that's easy. The Baltimore Orioles losers of 14 in a row. Talk about the rock bottom of a rebuild. Is there a process? Talk to, talking about how the 76ers had a plan. The Orioles claim to have had a plan when they brought in uh, Michael Elias from the Houston Astros organization. But this could truly be the rock bottom as you wait for guys like Ryan Mountcastle to develop. Um, Austin Hayes. I mean, they have a lot of guys hurt. They have one good pitcher. Matt Harvey is their number two starter. I think we all saw that his implosion was coming. Bad bullpen. This is a team that uh, I saw some expectations of 2023 that they would be competitive. So, yeah, Orioles fans going to have to endure a couple of more tough years. Luckily, they are in a nice ballpark in Camden Yards because I don't know if you guys caught some of the conversation this past weekend. They can't win. About, what's that? Where they can't win. They have the worst home. They're worse they at home than they are on the road. They do. They do. But I don't see them moving. But there is talk of the Tampa Bay Rays moving to Nashville. Luckily, though, Camden Yards is nice. And I don't see uh, the city of Baltimore having letting them leave. But um, why would fans go to games to see them loose at this point? Other than the park is nice and you could take your kids to do something. Well, and I'll tell you why. And I'll give you a quick history lesson. 1988, when a losing streak was even, they started the season, I think, 0-21. So I need to look it up. But I remember covering it. And the more they kept losing, the more people came out because they wanted to see, are they going to finally break this? And it turned into a, a citywide celebration. You had a rock jock, a 98 rock at the time, a station in, in, in Baltimore, who vowed to stay on the air until they won a game. Now, he did that like eight games in their losing streak. The next thing you know, we had doctors from Hopkins monitoring him <laughs> because he did have to get some sleep. He can't stay up for 20 days straight. And it, and it became... A great celebration, and the next season was the why not year in '89 when they they almost uh, you know if there was a wild card back then they would have made the playoffs. So uh, they'll probably have a boom in crowds if they keep losing because then it'll be the interest to see if they win. George, yeah, didn't they when they were oh, 21 they came back right that one next night and it was like 53,000 or whatever at, at uh, Memorial Stadium. People were you know it's again it's it's what are learning in in this country either you're really good or really bad. Mediocre is a tough thing. That's why I've struggled most of my career. <laughs> uh, I'm not going to let, I, I mean, 
I don't think we need to talk about OTAs. It's OTAs. They're voluntary. They're in shorts and pads. I know everybody makes a big deal about it. I know Cheese got OTAs coming up too. You know, Ron Rivera's already given his team a week off early because of all the 86 out of 90 players. By the way, I will say this. All the talk this offseason about the NFLPA telling guys not to show up for these OTAs as a team and how many teams got together and said we're not doing it. Washington did have 86 of the 90 players show up last week. So I will say that that is something uh, that I will give the, you know, the new regime uh, credit for the guys want to be there. And Ron Rivera has already given them a week off early uh, because of the participation, because of the work they've put in. Uh, and I know last week was the, you know, the Morgan Moses uh, situation, but look, it's just, it's a, it's a, it's a new day. It's officially a new day there. Uh, not that it wasn't last year, but I think you're going to start to see the real effects of it. Uh, this season uh, with the, 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 the touch that he's putting on this uh, franchise. So OTAs are OTAs. They're in helmets and shorts. We're not going to read too much into that. And the guys that who are, who are there and who are not there. I'm not worried about Chase Young and Montez Sweat who weren't there last week. So the Zoom countdown is really on Rob Woodfork. So the pressure is on. You've got three minutes <laughs> to wrap this up, bring us home. And your, your point that you want to make. Yeah. Wrap it up. Um, yeah. I'm going to end on a slightly more serious note here as we've seen a lot of fan misbehavior here over the course of the last week, especially at NBA arenas guy charging the court. Uh, they are in uh, game four. You had the incident with throwing popcorn at, uh, at Russell Westbrook and spitting actual spitting at, uh, at you know, so it's, it, you know, it's out of control and, and people are talking about fans and all of this. I'm looking at it on, on a more global scale because it sort of ties in also with um, uh, with Naomi Osaka pulling out of the uh, French Open and prioritizing her mental health over playing this game. And I think it's important that we realize that these athletes are not avatars. They are not just these video game props that are here for our enjoyment. These are actual human beings. These are people. And I think what has to uh, come into the consciousness of fans in this country is why is there so much vitriol? There's, it's not a coincidence that these are all athletes of color that we're talking about being on the receiving end of this. So, uh, you know, we need to figure, we need to get to the root of that problem. And that is why are these athletes of color in the crosshairs? Why do you feel something in your heart that you have to act out in such a way that you would never do on the street to them or anybody else? So that's something that, uh, you know, needs to be explored a little bit more. And, uh, and hopefully we start to see this uh, uh, start to curtail. I don't know what the solution is, to be honest with you. But, um, you know, I, I hope that we start to see this go away as we go through the NBA playoffs and, and on through the summer and try to rebound from, uh, you know, basically sports being completely shut down by the pandemic. Well, I think that as we'll close, there needs to be good behavior in, in all places. I, I, I saw it. Flight attendants uh, continue to be attacked uh, for, for no reason at all. And, and I've been in all sports, whether we're at hockey games or stuff has been thrown or so, I've seen it. I've been at it in soccer where uh, let's, you know, can we get back to just being uh, as, as, as actually had this conversation, you know, why don't we use the hashtag, follow the rules and cheer the home team and leave it at that. I mean, just, it, it's not that hard or, or complicated and you can probably throw in there. Uh, <laughs> 
slow down alcohol sales, but I, we're never going to go there. But I think a lot of bad decisions are made by people that have uh, had one too many, but that's, that's a whole nother thing, but I don't have all the answers on that. And, uh, and we're running out of time, but again, we, we need to be better and kinder. Dave, you have one quick point. One last shout out. I'm going to pop my collar and say congratulations to the university of Virginia men's lacrosse team for their thrilling victory over uh, Maryland on Memorial day. Heck of a win. They're back-to-back champions. I do pop the collar in honor of Kippy and Buffy, my good friends. I will say, as a Maryland guy watching a little bit of that yesterday, brought back some stuff. I still, I mean, I, I just, I can easily root against UVA. That's it. I can. <laughs> that was the best title game ever, probably, I've ever watched. In, in I've seen. Lacrosse, yeah. yeah. All Back right, good stuff, gentlemen. As always, we appreciate everyone's time on the WTLP Huddle. George Wallace, uh, Kip Preston, or whatever he calls himself this week. Chris <laughs> and, uh, it <probably>. varies. <laughs> We'll see you next week. Don Peterson.